is a Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast that contains elements of horror, violent themes, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Thanks for clicking the download button or the play button if you're listening to us on your browser. This is the uh, House of Ryan plays the House of Rulier. I'm your host and keeper of arcane secrets, Matt Ryan, and I'm joined again by my wonderful wife, Casey Ryan. Good evening. And lovely daughter, Evelyn Ryan. Good morning. It's really in the evening. You're just being contrary. Well, I was making a joke. Oh, I see. But I... You know, it was a bad joke because the listener can't see what I see. And what do you see, Eve? What I see is three people sitting in a breakfast nook in a room that is mostly made of glass because <laughs> it's surrounded by windows on all sides. It's uh, not super chilly. Not tonight? No. And then it's August. Is it the 12th? No, April. Wow. wow. We've been in confinement for a while. <laughs> August 12th is my birthday. That's right. It is your oh, birthday. I celebrate. <laughs> yeah. August 12th, yes, followed quickly by your social security number. It's April 12th. Are we going <laughs> to dox me? April 12th. Um, and here we are. We're, we're entering episode seven of our extra special play through the House of Rulier. This is our second session in the second chapter of the book. And this will be our first good episode. This will be our first good episode. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. This is, uh, this is our second shot at uh, our second part of The Crystal of Chaos, written by Peter Gillum and David Conyers. Uh, and then, then freely adapted by me. So if there are any holes or errors in the plot line, blame me and not the good gentleman that wrote this book. Again, uh, this is the copyright Chaosium Inc. 2012, and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is... Of course, copyright Chaosium, Inc. A quick recap of what we went through last time in the last episode. Uh, it's February 19, and the girls, as we call them, that would be uh, Vicky, actually I speak called Vicky or Victoria, myself, Gertie, our roommates, Buffy and Ruth. Ruth is back with us after a rather harrowing experience in Boston. 
We're back at Miskatonic University trying to catch back up on our studies and we've been approached by my favorite professor, Professor Galloway, who's asked us to do him a little favor, um, go down to Providence, Rhode Island. He got a letter from a good friend of his, Robert H. Blake, and uh, detailing something about the shining trapezohedron. And evidently this Robert Blake knows where it is and Professor Galloway is all a Twitter. And we are gonna go down to Providence to look for this talk with Robert Blake. We're going to be accompanied by uh, another professor. He's kind of dreamy, I think. Professor Ingalls, and he's going to be accompanying the four of us. All four of us are going to go down. Uh, we've managed to rope Ruthie and Buffy into our adventure. So we have been on the train for just a few hours. It doesn't take that long by a train. Um, and we're almost into Providence when one of us happens to read uh, the newspaper and finds out uh, through the Providence newspaper, the bulletin, that Robert Blake, the man that we are going to go see, is dead. Apparently some sort of a weird accident involving lightning that went through glass but didn't break the glass. And there was an expression of horror on his face and he was found dead. So this kind of puts a little bit of a damper on our uh, seemingly effortless jaunt down to Providence. Um, we have arrived in Providence. We have gotten off the train right opposite the Biltmore and we have checked in on the 16th floor and we are now going to convene and talk about our next step. Thank you for the recap. I forgot a beer. One second. This is staying in. <laughs> this is for all my dad's gaming friends. <sighs> I'm just leaving in this uh, act of unprofessionalism. What? Ooh, but that's good audio. Okay, and what a nice recap. Thank you, Gertie. If I recall, you had all, you were all on the 16th floor, as you just said. You girls had freshened up, and you were on your way down, getting ready to leave when the telephone rings. I answer it. It's the front desk. Excuse me, is Professor Ingalls there? Um, no. Professor Ingalls will be meeting us down in the lobby shortly. I could take a message for him. Oh, this is the front desk. I must have rung the wrong room. That's quite all right. We are with Professor Ingalls in the party. Um, if you'd like, I could take a message for him. We've received a letter for him, at the, but I can just ring his room. Thank you very much. Thank you. And they hang up. You four girls gather your things, head to the elevator, and down you go. The elevator comes off in the lobby, which is, uh, the Biltmore is a plush hotel, so it's very opulent. And there are people there milling about and whatnot, some checking in, perhaps one or two checking out. At the concierge station, uh, a couple young men helping move baggage around and whatnot. At the front desk, you espy Professor Engels. Hello, 
Professor Ingalls. We're here. Sorry that it took so long. We just needed to freshen up a bit. Um, and uh, I see that you, did you get the phone call that you have a letter at the front desk? Oh, yes. Uh, y- yes, I did. Uh, and he's, he's folding up a letter and he's tucking it in the breast pocket of his jacket. Why, yes, I did. Um, there's been a, a slight change of plans, girls. What would that be? Why don't you head to uh, Blake's apartment and, and I'll catch up. Oh, do you think that's wise, Professor Ingalls, to leave the four of us unchaperoned in the city? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're quite capable, uh, but, but, but something important has arisen and I must attend to it quickly. So, girls, if you will excuse me. Is there anything we can help you with? And with that, he turns and heads for the door. Both of you can make psychology rolls. Hmm. I fail. I succeed. It's a hard success. So there is absolutely something distracting him, and you suspect it's you suspect it is whatever was in that letter that he just read. He's got sort of a intense look about his face. And you think that half of what you said just slipped by him without him paying any sorts of attention to it. Hmm. But he is gone and he's out on the busy sidewalk, he takes a left through the glass front doors, and then he's just one among hundreds out on the sidewalk. Well, so much for that. I was going to say maybe we should follow him, but he did skedaddle awfully quickly. He seemed awful distracted says Buffy. Quite distracted, almost worryingly so. Um, but I suppose we should head to the apartment. All right, that was, what was the address? 66 College Avenue or something like that? Do you have that, that address, Vicky? I do. Why don't we call a cab and head over? How far away is it? We ask at the front desk how far away it is. Um, I could use a little bit of stretching my legs and some fresh air after being on the train for a few hours. Yeah, it's not that far, Casey, and I have walked it, actually. Um, It's... Oh, it's just right over across the river? It's across the river and up College Hill a little bit. Three or four blocks up College Hill. Well, let's just walk there, Vicki. It's not too far. I think it's just past the Rhode Island School of Design. Okay. All right. It is cold, remember. It's uh, the end of February, and uh, February... It's brisk. Especially cold this year. Uh, You're in the middle of some sort of a winter snap. But you're all dressed up. It hasn't snowed, so the sidewalks are fairly navigable. And you walk easily along the way, past different people and whatnot. You come to 66, 66 College Street. It's uh, just about a block from the John Hay Library, which is part of Brown University. And uh, there's probably a sign there right on the side of the building, cut in stone, that announces itself, John Hay Library. The house, 66 College Street, is a square Georgian house with a monitor roof, fan carving over the front door, and small paned windows, typical of early 19th century construction. The street's not too busy. There's a milk cart sort of uh, rolling slowly down the street, making a stop every few doors and the milkman getting out. There are uh, a couple of girls 
uh, young children, boys and girls, I think, all bundled up, and they're out on the sidewalk playing hopscotch. Remember, this is the weekend. So they've sort of cleared the snow off, and they're playing a quick but cold game of hopscotch. And then uh, further down the street are a couple of young men throwing a football back and forth. We all check out the young men. They are... Uh, we'll go ahead and make spot hit and rolls. I, that's, I think, a hard success. I made it. Uh, both fairly athletic. Both got their winter coats on and hat and gloves, throwing the football back and forth. Uh, one of them you think you recognize, not by name, but by picture. You think you saw his picture as one of the Brown University football players who regularly play Miskatonic University. Oh, I flip him the bird. <laughs> I don't think he catches that. I shout. <laughs> hey! And they look over. Flipping the bird. My! Well, luckily you're wearing your mittens so they can't <clears throat> see this and think you're just waving at them. The, the, Vicky! Vicky! Go you! Vicky! Stop. The other girls are saying, good gosh, what are you doing? Stop. They play on brown. They play our football team. Well, it's just it's college spirit. If you can call it a football team. Um, Vicky, they, they might have some information. Let's not alienate Oh, them. no, they're coming this way. Good. I take my mittens off and <laughs> make fists. Say, girls, were you waving to us? Say these two square-jawed young men that are coming up. One with uh, dark hair tucking out from under his winter toboggan and the other with blonde. His winter toboggan? His winter... Took? What do you call a hat? A tuck? It's a, it's a tuck. Full of a tuck. Hey, uh, you two play for Brown, right? Yeah, we do. Well, uh, MU says, you guys suck. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Easy now. Easy, says one to the other. Uh, you, are you girls big sports fans? I am. Uh, personally, hold on. I'm not. Let me try that again. Then <laughs> here you go, listeners. This is typical of any sort of role-playing game. The the players take the first left turn they can find. I am. Oh, hi. I'm not really uh, into sports that much. I'm sorry. I did not recognize you. Um. We're just down here from Miskatonic University, and uh, this is my friend Vicky, and she's quite the sports fan. And I guess so. Yes, um, you guys had a pretty good season last year. Not as good as ours, and they kind of laugh at each other with each other. I don't say anything. What'd you guys end up being? What was it? Three and seven. Um, I think it was a little bit better than that, but it depends on if you're looking at the Ivy or just the regular East Coast League. Um, and thank you. Thank you very much for uh, being out here. And uh, uh, we're just here to visit a friend of ours, but I think we've heard that he's passed away. What, what friend of yours has passed away on this neighborhood, on uh, this block? Robert Blake. Do you know him? The two boys look at each other and then back at you. Yeah, we know him. He lived above us. 
Oh, you live in the same building right here at 66 College Street? Yeah, and he points. That's our place downstairs. Blake lived above us. Oh, really? Do you think... First, let me say, both of you performed very well in football last year, and Brown has a fine team, and I'm sorry that I flipped you all the bird. (laughs) Um... Uh, is that a charm roll, do you think? Is there an apology score? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no role player would ever use it. Um, yeah, charm, sure. <clears throat> go ahead and make a charm roll. I fail. Um, well, your, uh, your apology was sincere. It sounded sincere, but uh, maybe they haven't warmed up to you. But the one darker-haired boy says, points at the younger boy and says, Yeah, he was even home when it happened. Wow, that must have been frightening. Did you did you hear the thunder that accompanied the lightning that came in the window? Uh, and the other younger guy says, well, there was all kinds of, I mean, thunder and lightning. It was weird to have thunder and lightning in the middle of winter. But uh, there was just sort of all kinds of crashing and whatnot. But there was some hellacious racket coming from his apartment upstairs. Uh, there was a racket coming that wasn't associated with the storm? No, I mean, I heard the storm, but then there was all this thrashing around and crashing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard him, uh, like, scream, and I tried his door, and I knocked, and then I heard... And then I heard a terrifying scream. His voice? What was it? He was the only one up there, so, I mean, he never had any guests. As far as I know, it was him. Man, it was... It was... Curl your spine. I had to get out of there. Wow, that that sounds awful. Truly horrific. I'm sorry, I don't think we've met. I'll extend my hand. I'm My name is Victoria Edwards. Victoria Edwards, it's nice to meet you. Uh, I'm Billy Baders. This is the guy that was not home. And this is my friend, Kevil Knievel. Billy and Kevil, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Who are your friends? No, this is uh, my best friend, uh, Gertie, whose name I always... Gertie Jenkins, hi, it's very nice to meet hi, you. Hi, Gertie. Oh, hi. And this is our roommate, Buffy Spangler. Hi! And this is our other roommate, Ruth Hall. And Ruth just gives a little wave. And the four of us are down here. Um, like I said, we came down to visit with Robert Blake. We had. We what had, were you guys, art students? We're students at Miskatonic. I'm an architecture student, actually. And uh, Vicki is an engineering student. Art of kicking ass. <laughs> The boys say, really? Maybe you should be on the Miskatonic U team. Maybe I should. I think I'd beat your ass. Now, now, Vicky. You want to talk numbers, numbers, Kevil? How about you and I go one-on-one right here, right now? Wait a minute. Easy, says Kevil. I I didn't mean any disrespect, girls. And besides, it was Billy that was saying all of the smack talk about football. I I think, do you have to excuse us? We're really quite upset to hear about Robert Blake. And we were hoping that we could see his room, um, but we don't really know how to get into the building. Well, you, do you want to, if it's warm in our apartment, do you want to come into our place? Sure. That okay. would be great. Thank okay. you. So they take you up the building and they, through the front door. And then as soon as you open the front door, there's sort of a, a little hallway. Um, now, you're an architecture student, so I think you could tell right away that this is a, a later build than the original layout. So somebody's put a wall in here and added a door so that immediately you can take a, a, 
right and go upstairs. Okay. Or there's another door on the left that opens up into the first level of the building. So, so you can tell that this little add-on is to separate the two uh, into two different apartments. But So they go to the left and take out a key, open it up. There's a coat hook there and several coats. So they take their coats and maybe their heavy winter boots off and they leave them right out there in the foyer. And they go into their apartment. They invite you in. Buffy says, do you think it's a good idea that we go into this these guys' apartment? Oh, I think it'll be fine, Buffy. There's four of us. And if I know Vicky, she can take on both of them by herself. Do so you we'll guys, be fine. And she whispers, do you guys have your guns? Uh, well, yes, but let's not talk about that. Gun and a knife. A gun and a knife. Yes. Well, we should be all set. They're back in heat, Ruthie. Stop it. Buffy, I told you. Keep it I feel down. better already. Okay, Buffy. Buffy, look. Hold on. Are you ladies coming in? Yes, just a second. We're having a little discussion with Foxy here. Buffy, just listen, all right? Um, if things get ugly, let's just all go for the same one at the same time. Okay, is there going to be a code word? I think the word Kill. attack. <laughs> ladies? Yes, we're right here. Sorry. We're, you know, it's... It's lovely for you to invite us in, and um, we're just a little hesitant because we're new to the area, and uh, we're just uh, discussing how soon Professor Ingalls is going to be joining us because he is—he did say he would come here right afterwards, and we were just wanted to keep an eye out for him. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevl said, says, like I was saying, I was the only one here. Billy wasn't here that night. Uh, it was two nights ago. And there was all this terrible crashing, terrible storm, and then all this thrashing and thumping and screaming. And I mean, uh, I'm not proud. I got out of here. Well, I think I probably would too. I think that Vicky would probably have run upstairs and kicked the door down, but she's a little bit more adventurous than we are. And I say, from the other side of the room, I say, oh no, I know, I, I completely understand. And then I go back to what I was doing, which is, Going over to their belongings and sort of picking them up, examining them, and then making a, a face of disgust, and then putting it back down, and then moving on to a different object. You're a real charmer, Vicky. Yes, you are. That's why she's my roommate. Um, I was wondering, uh, Kevl. Yeah. Do you have a key or some way of getting upstairs into uh, Robert's room so that we could take a look? No. I, I, I lent him a book. I was hoping that he still had it. Is I, there any way we could go upstairs and look for it? That you said you were coming to visit him because you were friends. We are friends. I lent him a book. <laughs> what about a landlord? I don't landlord? lend books easily. Uh, I don't have a key. The landlord lives down at the end of the street at 74 College Street. Uh, uh, Mr. Umbridge. He, uh, that's where I went when I heard the scream. I went down there. I mean, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, okay. So I went and got the landlord. I woke him up. He was not happy. You know, it was about midnight. And, uh, or if, if not after. And um, and then together we called the cops. I see. Well, good for you for doing that. How, how soon did the policeman show up? I think about half an hour later, maybe 45 minutes. I mean, I can't really remember. You know, I mean, it, we just sort of sat around. Um... I, they interviewed me, but I didn't have a whole lot to say. And then the bunch of them went upstairs, but I didn't go. But I did hang around when about an hour later, 
the medical doctor arrived. Well, was the body still upstairs at that point? Yeah, because they didn't take it out until about two hours later. A couple of cops took it out in a canvas bag. I see. No, I think they wrapped it in a sheet. That's probably what they did. Wrapped it in a sheet, put it in the bag of a wagon. How seemly. Well, perhaps we could talk with Mr. Umbridge and maybe he could let us into the room upstairs. And uh, I could look, take a look from my book. I mean, it's a Saturday. He's probably home. You know, he's I think his kids are all grown, but he should be there with his wife. Do you want me to walk down and introduce you? That would be great if you could. Thank you, Kevil. That would be wonderful. Sure thing, Bobby. And then and then before we leave, I... I it's Kevil. I put, Sorry, I can't tell meatheads apart. Uh, I, before we leave, I pull Vicky aside and, and I say to her, um, I'd like us to get up to the apartment so that we can take a look out the window um, and look for that church spire. And what, you think we need help from Tweedledee and Tweedledumass? Well, what I would like, Vicky, is for you to not beat either one of them up right now. If you could at least wait until we get up to the apartment, that might be nice. I'll go down um, with Kevil and see if we can get Mr. Umbridge to let us into the room. In the meantime, could you not beat Billy up? Of course. Thank you. He'd whoop my ass anyways. I'm all talk. No, you're not all talk. And, what are you all whispering about? Talking. Says Buffy. I s- We're just talking about how much we like you, Buffy. You're such a good friend. You're such a liar. Okay, she was really saying that she wanted a cigarette. Now, just hush. I'm, I'll be right back. I'm going with I've Kevil. i plenty. Good. I'm going with Kevil. So I leave with Kevil to go down the street. Okay. So you and Kevil put your winter things on and you walk down the sidewalk. Again, the milk truck, maybe a car or two going by. And the kids, uh, It's. I think it's too cold for them to play for a long time outside. So they've gone back in. It's not very many buildings if it's 74 and we're at 66. Exactly. So you're there in just, you know, 25, 30 steps. And um, it's a very similar looking building. Two-story Georgian house. Knock at the front door, and a man, uh, probably in his mid-fifties, balding, a little paunchy, opens the door. Hello? Oh, Kevil. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Umbridge, but uh, uh, this is my friend from uh, Miskatonic University, Miss Jenkins? Yes, hi, my name's Gertie Jenkins. It's very nice to meet you, Mr. Umbridge. How are you? Well, I'm okay. What are you kids up to? Well, um, it's rather embarrassing. We came down to visit our friend Robert Blake. Unfortunately, we found out uh, on the way here that unfortunately he's uh, passed away. Yes, that is unfortunate. I'm sorry if he was your friend. He died a couple of nights ago. Right. and um, It made the papers. I don't know if you saw it. Well, we just saw the paper on the train as we were coming down. Um, I'm here with my roommates. They're back at 66 College Street, and we're from Miskatonic University. Uh, We're here with our professor, uh, Professor Engels, who's going to be joining us shortly. We were going to stop in and see um, Robert, and then at the same time, last time I saw him, I had lent him a book. I'm, I'm wondering, would it be possible for you to let us into the room so that I could look and see if my book is still on his bookshelves? Make a fast talk roll. Oh, I totally make it. Oh, yeah? And it's a hard success. I'm so sorry for your loss. I packed up many of his things, but 
I don't remember there being that many books. I know he was an author, though, so there are a few. Uh, let me get my coat and my keys and we'll go look. Thank you so much. Man, says Kevil, that was pretty good that he's going to help you out like that. Sure, he seems like a very nice man. Hey, what's wrong with your friend, Vicky? Why is she so mad at me? Oh, I don't think she's mad at you, and I don't think she's mad at Billy, but I, she is a big sports fan, and, you know, for some, they just have, um, you know, that sports streak. It's, it's just very strong in them. Personally, I don't really go to the games. I spend a lot of time in the library. Yeah, sports are fun. It's not my main thing. I'm more of an art guy. I like painting and drawing, but... Uh... Oh, well, then you should talk with Ruth, our roommate Ruth. She's also an art major. I'm more into architecture, and the building that you guys are in is just a lovely building. Same with this one right here. The architecture here in Providence is quite lovely, and uh, there's some beautiful buildings that I would like to sketch. Okay, kids, come on, let's go. Oh, sure. Thank you so much, Mr. Umbridge. And you crunch back through the snow up the sidewalk to 66 College Street. Go inside. Uh, Kevil says, should I tell your friends that you're going up? Oh, yes, please. Uh, let's let's look in. The first thing I do when I look in is make sure that Billy doesn't have a black eye. <laughs> what, was it, what was it like while they were gone? It was only 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, Billy had, said, do you guys want anything to eat? Yeah, sure, Billy. And then I explained to him that I don't actually have a problem with him. I just get really into sports. It's cool. It's cool. You got some sardines? Hell yeah. So he opens up a tin of sardines. How about your friend? You want some sardines? Can we smoke in here? Well, yeah. Light them up, girls. We Hell some yeah. Smokes and sardines. It's a party. <laughs> so when we come back, we come back, and when Kevil opens the door to his apartment, this Billowing blue smoke. smoke comes out. Then the smell of seafood. <laughs> I said, Oh, Billy, did you open sardines again? Billy burps. <laughs> you got a fucking problem with that, Kevil? Come here, you son of a bitch. I'll whoop your ass. Excuse me? What? Oh, Says, hello. You must be Mr. Rumford. <laughs> <laughs> oh I must say. My name is Victoria Edwards. Now, Kevil and I are good friends. I'm just, I'm just busting his chops. Isn't that right, Kevil? Uh, yeah, sure, sure, Vicky. He's looking at her. <laughs> are you ladies all from Miskatonic University? Yes, we are. Now, were you all friends with the departed Mr. Blake? No, we were not. Personally, no. Uh, I know Gertie was, but I just, uh, Gertie and I go everywhere together. Yes, and we had our roommates along for the weekend. Um, and as I said, our Professor Engels is also our chaperone. He's also going to be joining us. We all have slightly different majors, but we're all good friends. Um, I'm the only one that uh, lent a book to Mr. Blake. So if we could just go upstairs, that would be fantastic. Oh, sure. Come on. Are you all going to go and help look for this book? Oh, I, I don't think all of us need to go up. Just Vicky. Sure. Okay. The three of you head upstairs. At the top of the stairs, there's probably a little landing, and then there is a door. He takes a key. He's got a little ring of keys out of his pocket and finds the correct one, unlocks it, and opens it up. Oh, I think there's a light switch in here somewhere. 
And then there are, there's a variety of rooms here on the second floor, everything that you would expect in an apartment. There's a living room, a large living room that looks out um, across town and towards Federal Hill, which is sort of on the other side of the main district. There are all sorts of belongings that are packed up. Mr. Umbridge says, I'd collected everything for his next of kin. I think he's got a brother in Wisconsin that uh, is, uh, he's on his way or <clears throat> going to make arrangements for these things. But here you've got piles of them. Um, here's a bunch of here. And then it is, as his hand sweeps across this collected assortment of goods, you two see uh, a bunch of his things. Things you see, clothes, a bunch of art supplies, suitcases, a couple of suitcases that are all packed up. And um, Umber says, I, I, I put everything kind of away. Unfortunately, I think, guess you might have to rummage through some things. Well, Mr. Umbridge, I, I'm sure that uh, Robert's brother will really appreciate the fact that you went to this trouble to pack things up. Um, and I don't think if you just put clothes in the suitcases, we certainly don't need to open up the suitcases and rummage through those if you pack those up. Well, um, there were some things in there, but look, I don't really have a lot of time yet to do this. Why don't you girls take this key? Okay. Give it to Kevil when you're done in about an hour or so and I'll be back. But there's a couple of things that I've got to do. Oh, that sounds fine. That would be great. And and uh, we'll, we'll be very respectful and we won't disturb anything. Um, and like I said, I think that it's, it's really very kind of you to let us in. And it's also very kind of you to take responsibility for packing this stuff up. I'm sure his brother will really appreciate that. Now it is, he did die under mysterious circumstances, of oh, course, that's says Umbridge. Heard. But I, the police are at a loss as to how to, uh, how to proceed with this case. And the doctor that was involved says that he think it was just sort of some sort of a shock or something. I think the doctor's putting it down as a accidental death from fright. He thinks just the lightning storm frightened him to death. Who's the doctor? Oh, Dr. Gerald Dexter. Uh, I've worked with him here and there a couple of times. Not anything like this, but uh, he's from the neighborhood and... He, uh, he, uh, he, he is one of the police doctors that works with the force. Do you think you could give us his address? I don't have his address. His phone number is probably listed in the directory. I don't know if Blake had one up here, but uh, Kevils, I'm certain Kevils got one downstairs. Okay. Boy, that's an interesting diagnosis of death by fright. Isn't it, though? You know, in fact, I know there's not a directory up here. Blake eschewed modern conventions. He didn't, oh, he know, didn't he want did, a telephone. No, he did not. He did not have a phone at all. He did, he did not like modern devices. Um, all right, then. Yeah, just be respectful of place. Of I'll course. be back in an hour. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. So Umbridge. And Umbridge leaves. So there again, you've got all these sorts of belongings packed up in suitcases and in bags. And a quick look, there certainly are books and things. I mean, he was an author, so there's going to be books. There's tons of art supplies. There are his suitcases, which have different clothes in them. What would you like to root through first? Well, the first thing I do is I, I go over to the window and I look at Federal Hill so that I can get my bearings and see the spire of the church that he called the Dark Spire. And is it fairly apparent what church he's talking about? Go ahead and make a spot hidden roll. Here it is in the, it's, um, it's what is it, late afternoon? Yes. Not even late afternoon. It might even be early afternoon. It's kind of mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. Mid-afternoon. 
Did you say spot hidden? I did. Mm, is it worth me pushing it? Um, <clears throat> can I have a go? You can have a go too. If you stand there, yes. If you stand there next to Gertie, yeah, I'll tell you about the push roll. But go ahead and stand next to Gertie and take a look. That's a hard. Okay, so Gertie, you don't see anything right off. Um, you can see the downtown area. You've got a great view of the Biltmore and some of the other, and the um, I think the town hall is down there, and the court building. Those are all down there. And then across Federal Hill, sorts of uh, you know climbs up, and there's all sorts of rooftops and different things. And it's just kind of a in the in the afternoon sunlight, it's just a mishmash of shapes and roofy colors. But you, Vicky, as you look over, see this church spire from way across the way, buried deep into a cluster of peaked roofs. Mm. I see it. Look, it's right between those two trees. And it is, it's nestled deep in there, Gertie. Yeah. Do, I, do I see it after? Go ahead and make another spot hidden roll. Now you can have a bonus die. Do you see where the yellow house is? Look where that yellow house is between the two orange ones. If you follow that straight down. Oh, I make it this time. Okay, so you can see it. And okay. you too see that it is nestled right into a thick residential area. Okay. You know, there's no clear path to it that you can see. So, Vicki, let's, let's look and see... How can we pinpoint this when we're actually over there? It looks so, like, so enclosed. What are some of the landmarks that we can see on either side of it to help us get over there? Well, uh, I see what looks like a very tall tree. Um, I mean... Not a lot. There's not a lot. And, and as you both look, you're just thinking, well, we know approximately the area... There aren't a lot of landmarks by it, and it's nestled in a residential area. Well, this is going to be hard for us to find. Well, let's look around the apartment and see. I, I should at least look and if there's some book that seems like it might have something to do with architecture. Of course. Um, I'll say it's my book. I don't think that uh, Robert's brother is going to miss it, but at least this way we have a, an excuse for being here. Let's start investigating. Both of you make spot hidden rolls. As you go through the belongings, they're piled in the center of the floor. I don't make it. I do make it hard. Okay, so what happens is you're just looking at different things and you're looking in different places. And you find in one of the suitcases, Victoria, a bunch of books. And these are, <clears throat> oh, I don't know what they would be. There'd be maybe uh, uh, Hawthorne and, and maybe there's some. Um, some about frogs. No, I think it's, no, it's mostly fantastic literature, I think. So maybe there's some Lord Dunsany. Um, but there is also what looks suspiciously like a diary. Gertie, I think I found his diary. And even more interesting is an older sort of crinkled, crumpled book that's much smaller that you think looks like a little uh, note-taking book or something, something for notes, like that, something that a reporter or a policeman might use. Now, this smaller book looks quite old. Stick uh, them in your pockets. Hold on. Now, this is even more interesting. It looks like an old crinkled, crumpled book that someone would use to take notes, maybe a reporter or a journalist or something, and it looks quite old. Vicky, put them in your pockets before anybody comes back upstairs. Okay. Gertie, what you found is you were going through this collection of art supplies and portfolios. There's several portfolios put together. 
Um, do you have any sort of an art craft skill? No, I have architecture. Go ahead and make an architecture roll, just because of the craft of making something. I have a hard success. Wonderful. So even though you are not a painter, you know how architects produce plans. And often they will make a bunch of... Preliminary sketches. And what you see is a bunch of preliminary sketches here that Blake has done. And it's some sort of a desert landscape, some sort of a desert scene... You see what looks like uh, an old weathered city, crumpled, ruined city, with several tottered um, and uh, half-formed pillars rising up in various spots in the sand. Look look at these pictures over here. Don't they remind you of that book in the Egyptology section at Oran Library that you were looking at? uh, The one with the, the pillars of Iram? Yeah, they sure do. Um, We don't find the crystal, though. No. You don't see any sort of a crystal, anything like that, no. And we don't see a little gold box or anything like that that it could have been in. You don't see anything like that, no. Other than the pictures. You do suspect with the pictures that a painting was made. But we don't see it here. You don't see a painting, and you, nor do you see a rolled-up canvas. Gertie, you remember that picture that you looked at of Pickman's? Uh, I did not look at it. Cut that. Eve, <laughs> if you're listening to this, cut that. Um, I pur- purposely did not look. Um... <laughs> I wonder if Ruthie would recognize these. I had that same thought. Let's bring her in. Maybe I'll... Should I just roll these up and take them with me? There's quite a few. You can take some of the more finished ones. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll roll them up and kind of tuck them in my coat pocket. And are there any other books that seem interesting or something that looks plausible for being something that an architecture student would have? Um, so that I have cover. Uh, sure. Sure. Okay. There's, there's, there's a, I mean, it doesn't even have to, it could just be a, a book of poetry. No. Listener, I'm getting a scowly look. It's definitely not a book of poetry. <laughs> Egads. Gertie, read poetry? No, never. What a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> Hard facts. Hard facts. None, so, of this, none of this flower. So they, maybe there's a manual of the concepts of electricity. Uh, is there anything about architecture of Rhode Island since he's in Providence and there's some really cool buildings? The history? Make of- a luck roll. The dice will decide. Da-da-da-da. Ooh, the dice decide that I am red hot. So, yes, he's got a book about architecture. Okay, I, I take that. God, what a waste of a great role. And? And? So, the search done. Yeah, we, we don't see anything else. Do so. you head downstairs? Might as well. And we we'll make, pack things back up. Okay. Yeah, we make sure it's we leave it neater than when we, we got in here. And we lock the door back up and go back downstairs to the smoke-filled apartment. Yeah, how's it been going downstairs? Well, before we rejoin the party downstairs, why don't we take this quick musical interlude... 
so that our listener can stretch their legs and freshen up, and we'll return right after this. Yeah, listener, you stink. Go put on some deodorant. from our leg stretching with our beverage quaffing investigators who have returned, who have descended the stairs from Blake's apartment and have joined Billy and Kevil in theirs. What'd you guys find? Oh, we didn't find anything, but I did find the book that I lent Robert. So that was nice. Um, and Mr. Umbridge seems like a very nice guy. He, he uh, cleaned up quite a bit upstairs and um, and we did get a look out the window over at Federal Hill and we saw a church that we need to go and look at. It's something that Robert mentioned to my professor and thought it would be interesting from an architectural point of view. Um, but I'm not really sure where it is over there. So we're gonna have to, I think, take a cab over to Federal Hill and check it out. Oh, you, you want to use a telephone and call a cab? That would be great. If you have a phone, that would be lovely. Yeah, I don't know it off the top, but I can look it up in the directory. Also, uh, if our acquaintance, Professor Engels, shows up, which he might, uh, could you just tell him where we went? Where did you go? Do you have an address? Well, that we just took a cab to Capitol Hill. Federal Hill. Federal Hill, that's what I said. <laughs> Um, so I think Federal Hill is quite an area. I mean, there's a lot of neighborhoods. There's a big Italian neighborhood there. I mean, there's a whole bunch of area there. Like saying you went to Federal Hill is like saying, you know, you went to. All right. Fair enough. When he shows up, just say, fuck you. Wow. They got some. <laughs> this is some real live wires at Michigan University. I'll say. Are all the girls like that there? Those three aren't. <laughs> Okay, here I go. Vicky seems to be on a bit of a tear, so I'm kind of letting her go. I don't know. I just thought it would make for good content. I I didn't mean to throw the whole thing off the rails. You're not. not. It's not off the rails. I was just going to say that we use the telephone and we call the cab and that we also use the phone and call the Biltmore and leave a message at the front desk um, for Professor Ingalls there also. Okay. Just because we don't know where we're going and we also don't know for sure how responsible these guys are i mean they could write it down on a piece of paper and just kind of forget turn it into a paper airplane and sail it out the back window their phone is off in kind of a little corner of the room so it's fairly easy to go over there and have a private conversation with anybody that you want to call and the directory is of course right next to the phone so it's easy enough to call the triple a cab company and they can come around in about 10 minutes. That's if that's all right with you. Sounds great. 
Um, and you want to call the Biltmore and leave a message? For Professor Ingalls, just to let him know that we've called, and we'll give him the name of the cab company, that we've called this cab company and they're going to come and pick us up in 10 minutes. And I give the time. What time is it? 2.45? Sure. Sure, what sure. kind of cab would it be in 1922? Yeah. I mean, I think it would just be sort of a big old Model A or something. I mean, it wouldn't be a like it wouldn't be a yellow cab or anything. It would just be a car. Okay. So I guess we're gonna hang. Is out. there anybody else you want to call? Um, I think the only person that it'd be worth calling would be. Uh, Dr. Dexter, but I don't know how much help he's going to be. We don't really know anybody else in town. Um, and do they have a directory there, the, mm-hmm. the guys? Right in the phone book, yep. So I'm just going to casually look through for any um, Bowens, because Professor Bowen was from the area, mm-hmm. and uh, just see if there's... There's probably not anybody named Enoch Bowen. There's not. No, but, there's not. I mean, that was, and that was quite a long time ago, too, sure. wasn't it? Wasn't it, like, it was like, yeah, in the 1840s or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just kind of looking through the phone book. I don't really know of anybody else other than Dr. Dexter. Vicki, do you, do you know of anybody? We should call? I don't think so. I mean, flipping through the phone book, you do find Dr. Dexter's number if you're curious. I mean, it is in there. Should we call him? I suppose we could. What would we say? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, just that we're friends of Robert Blake's and that we were interested in the diagnosis. But other than that, I don't know if he could tell us anything. Right. Maybe we should talk to the police, like we did in Boston. Police. What a waste of time. Those guys were utterly useless. I suppose you're right. They didn't really tell us anything. No, and they didn't come and look for us. And even after we had the, the head in your backpack, we never heard anything else from them. Man, that was great, though, wasn't it? Remember the look on his face? Oh, yeah, he was shocked. But did you notice nobody ever followed up with us and said anything to us? They, they just kind of looked at it and went, oh, they didn't stop and think about how scary it is. And do you think they went down in those tunnels? No. Bunch of no good. At the same time, they didn't arrest us for going into those tunnels. We got off kind of lucky there. Well, we weren't really breaking the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. So what's it going to be, girls? Is it going to be call Dexter or wait for the cab? Let's wait for the cab. I don't think we should call Dexter just yet. I don't think we're going to find out anything. Okay. In just a few minutes, a cab comes, and it is just a regular car, and it pulls up, and there's, you know, a driver pulls up out front, and he toots the horn. Great. And we say goodbye to the guys and yep. say thank you very much. It's been a lot of help, and uh, maybe we could have a little happy hour drink later on at the Biltmore. Uh, we'll let them know. <laughs> at the coffee bar? Yes. Sure. Sure, we could swing by around 6. Well, why don't we give you a ring? Why don't you give us your phone number? And they write it down for you. And, and we'll give you a ring from the hotel. You're staying at the Biltmore? Yes, we are. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's quite plush. Busy. Yeah. So, um, so we go out and there's the cab. Yep. And, and Where to, ladies? Um, do you know about an old church up in the Federal Hill area? Uh, well, it's quite a popular area. And I mean, there's a bunch of churches up there. 
Well, the church that we're interested in, we can see from here upstairs and we look straight across. Um, it's kind of hard to know. Is there anybody at the cab company that has a lot of experience in, at, with Federal Hill? Area? I know this city like the back of my hand. What street do you want to go to? Well, we don't know that. We don't know what street it's on. But well, that's how we operate, ladies, is by streets. Okay, Mr. Back of the Hand. It's, it was built in 1840. It's a big black church. You know where we could find it? Yeah, get in. All right. Yes. What, what was the name of the church? The, uh, um, the, the Free Will Church. All right, so there's three can fit in back and one can sit up front. Who's sitting up front with the driver? I will, so I can watch him drive. Okay, so he does drive, and you know, and you go down into the across the river and down into the main part of the city, and it's bustling with traffic here on a Saturday, and then you go into the residential part, and he's just going to drive it up the hill, and then he takes some side streets and whatnot, and he stops, and there is a church in front of you, and he pulls the handbrake on, and he says, "There you go, that'll be seventy-five cents." Oh, give him seventy-five cents. I'll okay, give him a dollar. Okay. As we're getting out, I say to him, is this a church that was known as the Free Will Church back in the um, 1860s? And he closes the door and drives off. And you're standing in front of a church that does not look that old at all. With a sign out front, <clears throat> as most churches have. The Spiritual Sancti Church. Spirito Santi? Mm-hmm. Santo. Spirito Santo Church. Is it a Greek Orthodox Church? No, I don't think so. I think it's Italian. I think it's an Italian church, so it's probably Catholic. And, uh, and you are in, I mean, a quick look around, you can see that you are in deep into the Italian section of town. I look at Vicky and I say, I don't know if this is right, but maybe we could go in and ask and find out if if uh, this place has ever been known as the Free Will Church. They would know. They what? They would know. I mean, they bought the church, right? They would know the history of the place. That's if this is the Free Will Church, yes. Why don't we go in and ask? Okay. So we do. We go in. All we'll right. <clears throat> okay. So um, it's, it's a big old Catholic church. You walk in the front doors. They're open. You walk into the nave. Uh, there's uh, a couple of women dressed in black in various spots of the church praying. Uh, there's somebody up front lighting candles. And go ahead and make who has the worst luck. Whoever that is, please make a luck roll. 49. Oh, mine's 50, so you get to do it. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't make a difference. I fail. All right, no priest. So we asked the person lighting the candles. Excuse us, um, we're students from out of town, and we... Okay, it's an it's an old woman, all dressed in black, with a uh, black veil. Great, and does she only speak Italian? <laughs> uh, she's lighting a candle for her uh, dead husband. Which we know. We can tell excuse, right away. Excuse, uh, is there a priest? Priest? Oh, see, si, see. Si. And uh, she points through a door uh, that leads off the church. Grazie. Grazie. Towards uh, the parish hall. 
And, and sure enough, you know, if you go in there and you kind of poke around, there's you'll see somebody in an office sitting at a desk. And he'll look at him and say, What can I help you? Roberto? <laughs> I don't say that. We say, I have a limited repertoire of voices. I understand that. Capiche? Capiche? How can I help you, ladies? Be a church bingo, she's on a Tuesday. What is the issue? This is a Saturday. Sabados. No, that's, no, that's Spanish. So we say, um, excuse us. Uh, we're not sure if we're in the right place. Was this church ever known as the Free Will Church? Was there ever a sect called the Starry Wisdom Church? So uh, he, he gets up from his desk and he says, uh, The Starry Will Church, that's a story from my boyhood. The Starry Wisdom Church, yes. That's from my boyhood. But do you know if this was the place? No, this wasn't the place. There was a place over several blocks away where they used to they used to dare us as a children to run into the building. Could you could you write down where that is for us? Oh, yeah, I can tell you where that is. Why do you girls want to go there? There's nobody been there in 50 years. It's just the old dilapidated church. That's the church. It's just the old for. building That's now. That's the church. Well, now, why do you for. girls want to go there? She's an architecture student. We want her to look We're at the students. old we, church architecture yes. and uh, take a look at the place. You want to go look at the place? Why? Because it's an architecture student? Yes. It's it's part of my master's thesis. The architecture of churches, specifically abandoned churches. <laughs> well, I can tell you that church has nobody been in for a long time. So it's abandoned. That's good. That's exactly what. But we're I would tell about. you how many streets you got to take and how many right turns and how many left turns you got to go to get there. That sounds wonderful. I'm happy to do that for you girls. And my name is Father Mer Merluzzo. Father Merluzzo, thank you so much. You've been very helpful. Yeah, for real. I'm Vicky. Well, hello, Miss Vicky. And this is Gertie. Hello, Miss Gertie. Hello, hello Father. Father. Don't forget me. Oh, that's Buffy. Hello, Miss Buffy. And that's Ruth. Well, hello, Miss Ruth. Are you all architecture students? Yes. Well, Ruth is a bit of an artist, actually. She's studying the history of art and also anthropology. And Buffy, um, Buffy... What 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 is your major this week? Ing is it English? <laughs> I think last week, I think last week it was French for literature. No, I'm it's, not no, really I'm sure. a, it's languages. I'm a language student. Which language? The language of love. Well, then you should be able to talk with Father Mazuzo in his uh, native uh, no, Italian. No, no, uh, I know some Spanish and I know some Latin. But you don't know the language of love. Italian. No. I know the language of. Okay, no. all right. Missy. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> you girls better get the going. It's many, many turns to get there, and it's getting dark. Okay, let us know how to get there. It please. gets a dark you. early here. Do you have a phone, actually, real quick? Yes, I have a phone. Could I use it? Uh, yeah. I'll call, si. the, I'll call the cab company. Yeah. Uh, and do I remember the name of the car we were in? 
make an intelligence roll. I remember it. No. I got an extreme success. I think I remember it. Then you do. Yes, yes, yes. You can remember the number. Maybe the car's got a number. 19. Yeah. Um, and I'll say quietly so the father doesn't hear. Whoever was driving car 19, fire the bastard. And I hang up. <laughs> okay, there's a many streets you gotta go. Don't get lost. These are all the curvy streets. I pull out a pencil and a piece of paper. And he gives you this long list of turns and streets and landmarks. And I write it all yes. down. It's long and confusing. And, as you then find out, not entirely accurate. Great. So go ahead, and whoever is leading this group, and it's going to be one of you two, make a navigate roll. What's your navigate? Okay, well, um, my natural world role is 30. Is that going to help us any? Uh, no. I fail, so I'm not leading. No, no, no. If you're leading and you fail, you get lost, you get found. I said, I'm not leading. You made the role. You get lost again. She, she, and you get found again, and you're not quite sure where in the depths of Federal, Federal Hill you are. But we have depths. some names. When, and I now turn to the original short story by H.P. Lovecraft, you suddenly see a black spire standing against the cloudy sky to your left, above the tiers of brown roofs around you. You see the tower plane against the southwest sky, and a huge stone bulk rises darkly at the end of an alley. Presently, you stand in a windswept open square, quaintly cobblestoned, with a high bank wall on the further side. Upon the wide, iron-railed, weed-grown plateau which the wall supports, a separate, lesser world raised fully six feet above the surrounding streets. There stands a grim titan bulk whose identity was beyond dispute. The vacant church is in a state of great decrepitude. Some of the huge stone buttresses have fallen and several delicate fenials lay half lost among the brown neglected weeds and grasses. The city Gothic windows are largely unbroken though many of the small mullions were missing, are missing. You wonder how the obscurely painted panes could have survived so well in view of the known habits of small boys the world over. The massive doors are intact and tightly closed. Around the top of the bank wall, fully enclosing the grounds, is a rusty iron fence whose gate at the head of a flight of steps from the square is visibly padlocked. The path from the gate to the building is completely overgrown. Dissolution and decay hang like a pall above the place. And in the birdless eaves and black, ivyless walls, you feel a touch of the dimly sinister beyond your powers to define. And just looking at the church, 
provokes a sanity roll. Awesome. I make it. So you're fine. I make it. You're both fine. You know what I just remembered? Neither one of you read the diary or the small journal that you found. But we forgot because we just put them into the... <laughs> Buffy said, hey, shit. <laughs> do, do you guys remember that diary we found? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, why don't we read those now? <laughs> you think this would be a good time to read those while we're standing here? Hey, Gertie, you want to read the diary? I'll read the little crumpled up thing. That sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> You're standing in the windswept square. And... What are we starting with? Let me see what I've got queued up. We're going to start with the diary. Sounds good. I'm a speed reader. Read it fast. Okay. So the diary, it's got lots and lots of notes about the different things that he was working on, the different things that he was painting, and the different things that he was reading and writing. He was both an author and an artist. It doesn't get interesting, really interesting, until the last few entries. And our friend... Todd Gardiner is going to read this for us and for our listeners. Light's still out. Must be five minutes now. Everything depends on lightning. Yadith, granite will keep up. Rain and thunder, wind deafening. The, the, the thing is taking hold of my mind. Trouble with memory. I, I see things I never knew before. Other worlds and other galaxies. Dark. What am I afraid of? Is it not an avatar of Narlathotep, who, in antique and shadowy chem, even took the form of a man? I remember you, Goth. And more distant Shagai. and the ultimate void of the black planets. The long, winging flight through the void, recreated by the thoughts caught in the shining trapezoid, send it through the horrible abysses of radiance. Azathoth, have mercy! The lightning no longer flashes, horrible! And I can see Everything with a monstrous sense that is not sight. Light is dark and dark is light. Sense of distance gone. Far is near, near is far. No light, no glass. See that steeple, that tower, window. Am I mad or going mad? The thing is stirring and fumbling in the tower. I am it. It is I. I want to get out. Must get out. And unify the forces. It knows where I am. I see it coming here. Hellwind, Titan Blur, Black Wings, Yogg-Sothoth, save me! And the three-lobed burning eye!
You're standing in the square. And I'm reading this out loud. Christ. A lot of big words. Make sanity checks. I just did. I fell. Um, as do I. One point each. I'll read mine now. All right. So you're reading the thin reporter's notebook. Mm-hmm. And I have that as well printed out. And our good friend, John Hook from Kansas City, is going to read this one for us. July 1844 through July 1853. Professor Enoch Bowen. Home from Egypt, May 1844. Buys Old Free Will Church in July. His archaeological work and studies in occult are well known. Dr. Drown, minister of the Fourth Baptist Church, warns against starry wisdom in sermon, December 29th, 1844. Congregation of 97 by end of 1845. 1846, three disappearances. First mention of the shining trapezohedron. Seven disappearances in 1848. Stories of blood sacrifices begin. Investigation 1853 comes to nothing. Stories of sounds. August 1853. Father O'Malley tells of devil worship with box found in great Egyptian ruins. Says they call up something that can't exist in light. It flees from a little light and banished by strong light. Then It has to be summoned again. Probably got this from deathbed confession of Francis X. Feeney, who had joined Starry Wisdom in 1849. These people say the shining trapezohedron shows them heaven and other worlds, and that the haunter of the dark tells them secrets in some way. February 1866 through June 1868. Story of Oren B. Eddy, 1853. They call it up by gazing at the crystal and have a secret language of their own. 200 or more in congregation by 1863, exclusive of men at front. May 1869 through March 1881. Irish Boys Mob Church in 1869 after Patrick Reagan's disappearance. Veiled article in March 14, 1872, but people don't talk about it. Six disappearances in 1876, a secret committee 
calls upon Mayor Doyle. Action promised in February of 1877. Church closes in April. Gang, Federal Hill boys, threaten Doctor and the vestrymen in May. 181 persons leave city before the end of 1877. Mention of no names. Ghost stories begin around 1880. Try to ascertain truth of report that no human being has entered the church since 1877. Creepy. So you you girls are standing there. The wind howling. Nobody around you. Night falling. Night falling, and the church looming before you. And need I remind you, you're not entirely sure how to get out of here. Well, it sounds like the perfect recipe for just, just like barging right in and <laughs> blowing things up. Um, We've got guns. <clears throat> yeah. So, is it? It, it is getting dark. Yes, it's it is. Better, <clears throat> so it's and it's probably what about four thirty or something like something that. Something like that. Yep. Four thirty-five. Uh, and still no sign of Professor Engels. Right, but there's no way he's going to find you here. I mean, you girls couldn't find your way here. Vicky, do you think we should go back to the street and backtrack a little bit and see if we can find uh, a grocery store or a restaurant where we could use a phone and call a cab and go back to the Beltmore? Or do you want to see if there's a way into the church at night? I think we should go in. Ruth says... I think we should go in, too. Buffy says, Well, I think we should go back to the hotel. Aren't those boys going to meet us for coffee and smokes? Yes, but that's a couple of hours away. We, we still have time. It's true, Buffy. We do have time. Let's just see if we can... And there's no way that anything goes wrong in the church. It's holy ground. It doesn't look too holy to me. And now the whole church grounds are up on this sort of little five to six foot high stone wall, right? So there's this little sort of glassy, grassy plateau that's at the corner of this, or at the end of this alley. And again, there are stone steps that lead up to a locked iron gate and then an iron fence that runs the whole perimeter of the plateau. So what should we do? Well, let's just see if we could find a way in quickly. I see a big padlock here, but if there's some way of just kind of slipping in without making too much of a racket, although I don't see anybody around that's going to be disturbed, even if we like rattled all the chains and locks that we could find. Let's just try the front door. Well, we can't get there because there's a big padlock on the fence that surrounds the church. Right, and the gates are probably higher than you can climb over. And there's this rusty iron fence that goes around the top of this whole wall. Is it a rusty padlock, too? 
It's a rusty padlock too. I'm and gonna that's... try and hit it with the butt of my gun. Um. All right. Go ahead and make. Uh, go ahead and make a strength roll. Okay. And and as you do that, uh, Gertie, you can make a spot hidden roll, and then you after your strength roll, you can make a spot hidden roll as well. I fail. I fail my spot hidden. I make my spot hidden. You see that there are gaps in the fence down along it. Oh. Okay. Yes, where some of the um, vertical parts of the iron bars are missing. Some of the vertical iron bars are missing or expanded. You think that if you walked sort of on the outside of the fence, you could get to a point where you could crawl through. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. It's fairly simple to do. You're inside the church grounds. Is it colder in here than it was outside it? Hard to tell. We're in an alley after all. It can't be that warm. The overgrown path that leads at the front door and the front door you can see is padlocked. Are there any side doors right around the corner? Let's just kind of look on the sides because sometimes there's a separate uh, entrance for the altar boys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like in the Zion church, there was that little side door. You go around the whole thing. There is a back door that leads into the back of the church. That too is locked and padlocked. But as you make your way all the way around, you see down in the foundation wall by the ground, a window. And it looks like parts of the glass are broken. What lies beyond? Too dark to tell. Oh, great. But there is a window that leads into the basement. Buffy, you got a light? Yeah, I've got my trusty Zippo. I meant like a flashlight. We did bring our flashlights. Yeah, we brought them, remember? Why don't you flip yours on? Are you thinking of crawling in the basement window? I just don't want to be in the dark. Supposedly there's a creature that can exist in the dark and that light banishes the thing, so I think we should turn some lights on. All four girls snap their flashlights on. Probably right after you say that. Okay, shining in. It's hard to tell. Some kind of a basement room. The broken window awaits. Will they enter? Find out next time on The Ryan's Play Rillier. listening to this episode of Reckoning of the Dead Radio and our special edition of The House of Ryan Plays the House of Rillier. Call of Cthulhu is a trademark of Chaosium Inc. and is used with permission under Chaosium's fan materials policy. The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and The House of Rillier are the property of Chaosium Inc. For more information about Chaosium Inc.'s products, please visit www.chaosium.com. We had some very special readers with us this episode. Of course, right off the top was Todd Gardner, and he is uh, the director of organized play for Chaosium. Following Todd was our good friend John Hook from Kansas City. 
John has written several scenarios, um, both for Chaosium and for Goodman Games, all in Cthulhu Mythos flavor, I think. But John's got a special little message for us, and I'm going to play that now. Hey, this is John Hook from Kansas City, and I wanted to say hi to the Ryan family. I hope everyone is doing well. We are doing well here in Kansas City. Everyone stay in, stay safe. Thank you for inviting me to uh, participate in the voiceover for the uh, Ryan's and Relier. I think this is an exciting podcast. And I'm really looking forward to listening to the series. I've already begun listening, so it's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy my contribution. And uh, I'll take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. All right, thank you, John. That was very nice. We, it's very nice. Very nice. We enjoyed the reading, and we hope that your family is also having a good time and staying safe. Yeah, I wonder where we'll be in a month, because it's a, it's going to take about three weeks for this episode to hit the airwaves. So, more than that. In three, four weeks. I hope everyone in four weeks is still just as safe as they are right now. And with that... Uh, the, this episode of the Ryans and Rillia is recorded here in Ithaca, New York, where they're all recorded. We are the Ryans, Matt, Casey, and Eve. This episode was engineered by Matt and edited by Eve. Uh, Jimmy McKee provided technical support. Thanks to Jimmy's hard work, we are now and have been on iTunes and Spotify. So uh, we feel like we're big deals. Please send any questions and or comments to reckonthedead at gmail.com. As of this recording, we've had none. So go ahead and drops a line even to say I think Coolsville sucks I think Coolsville sucks we are the Ryans rock on I think the Ryan family sucks